Hey, welcome. It is the Boiler Basketball Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalide, still hanging around here. And then uh, Jeff Julik in the studio with me. Spent a whole hour specifically talking about your Boilermaker basketball team and the Big Ten. And what a week it has been, Jeff. Last Friday we talked. We knew how big the game against Wisconsin was going to be. We talked about that. But we really threw the rest of the Big Ten schedule under the bus. It was unexciting. It was unappealing. It was boring. And it has been anything but this week, Jeff. Surprises galore. One of those delivered again by Wisconsin, uh, losing uh, earlier in the week, giving Purdue a a couple-game lead on them, a a game-and-a-half on Illinois, which can turn into two if they lose in East Lansing tomorrow afternoon before Purdue tips off against Indiana. And, oh, my gosh, what happened this week? I tell you what, just an absolutely uh, crazy week, as you said. But, uh, you know, great victory by the Boilermakers to, uh, you know, their seventh road game in the conference, which I think is just amazing to me that, you know, they're 10-2 and two in the conference and they've played seven road games, which means they have only three road games left and two of those against the bottom feeders of Michigan and High State. You know, Michigan got that big victory over Wisconsin. But, you know, Wisconsin's lost three games in a row now. And we talked about this the other day. I mean, the Purdue hangover is a real thing. I mean, after you play Purdue. I completely just... forgot about that. But I, I was aware of it until I forgot a Wisconsin because we had the week off. And I kind of like, yeah, detached. I forgot about that. Easily to forget. But, yeah, and so Wisconsin fell into that. And so they're playing themselves out of out of the championship contention. And I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, I thought they'd have six losses. And I, I think I'm going to stand by that statement because when you look at their schedule, there's losses. And then when you look at Illinois' schedule, I mean, they go to they go to Michigan State 2 o'clock on Saturday, but they still have to go to Maryland. They still have to go to Penn State. They still have to go to Wisconsin. And Penn State still, lurking. And they still have They're to go to They're lurking Iowa. out there at Bryce Jordan. I mean, and, you know, the interesting part about that, you know, they're setting what eight and three in the conference, but they have had uh, majority of their conference games at home. So I mean, they have uh, five road games left, and you know they're all challenging. So it'll be interesting to see how this. I have a feeling by the time Purdue heads into to uh, Champaign there in March that uh, this conference uh, race will be all over because you know the Boilermakers uh, great position and. Uh, you know, everybody's really excited about tomorrow night because uh, we get a take on the Hoosiers coming off that big, big uh, 20-some point victory off them. Over they were down there. 18. Yeah. So, yeah. I so. don't know how they did that. Screwed up my parlay. I don't know how they did it. But uh, they found a way to do it. And, uh, yeah, it's an intriguing Saturday slate because there's nothing tonight. But, yeah, that Wisconsin at Rutgers game is uh, – they're they're in trouble, man. They're on the ropes. That is not a place that you want to go into to try to snap a three game losing streak. That is a great point. Especially now that they got Williams back, they look different. Rutgers looks different. I this is why I wish we would have gotten a trip to you know wish we would have gotten all that out of the way earlier in the season, right? No, we already been there once. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come here. So that that was a break. You're looking them. at me like you, I know where you're going. I'm like, did we go there already? Like, yes, I can't, we did go. there I'm sorry. I, I just on you a, know mentally, mentally, afternoon. I'm like, we went to Disney World, didn't we? That's yeah. the that was the weekend we went to Disney World. And, uh, and you and I talked about this earlier. I mean, off the air. I mean, when you look at Purdue's five home games, they're all sneaky good. I mean. You know they play they play Indiana they play Minnesota who's playing much better basketball yeah but it's not as great on the road True. but yes they play Rutgers as we just mentioned and again they I'm, play, I'm worried about they play I'm Michigan State and they play Wisconsin so you know they're all sneaky good home games but I'm starting you know, to question whether or not Michigan State's sneaky good uh, you know I don't think they are sneaky good and uh, but I hope they're good enough on Saturday to uh, give us yet another. Uh, 
Uh, what a two and a half game lead on the on the line. Yeah, that would be two and a, yeah, that would give you two games with what uh, eight to seven to go. Well, it depends on which if side it is. They're behind us as far as number of games played. But no, I'm uh, talking about at least for Purdue. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, until so, Purdue plays that night game. That's correct. Yes. So you'd have that. Uh, that would be pretty darn uh, good and beneficial. Uh, for the Boilermakers. Of course, Zach Eady also getting player of the week again here, tweeting out, I wasn't even the best player on my own team. I'm going to say, Lance Jones definitely made a case for it this week. But, Brent uh, Smith could have been picked in player yeah, of the week. There's that. I mean, look, check on Mark Titus's dad to make sure he's okay. <laughs> because with that, he tied the Big Ten record for most player of the week uh, nomin- uh, awards, and that was with Evan Turner, Evan Turner which yes. is his good old, uh, Mark's good old buddy there, Evan Turner. Yes, and I'm um, sure that record and, will be broken. Yeah, and if it does, uh, shambles. Shambles, you know. There's look. Speaking there's been a shambles, lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks, uh, and it, and it kind of died down after the uh, the Wisconsin win. I thought uh, a lot of the anti Edie stuff raising up, the foul talk again, uh, disparity and all that stuff, and then it just quiet all of a sudden because I think it fans it's not working, and and they're miserable and they're tired of talking about it. They're still miserable and. Um, those tears taste, uh, they're very, very tasty. Yeah, and I noticed uh, Mike Woodson in his uh, pregame press conference yesterday mentioned the foul, that the foul issues of how that... Uh, oh, please. How that... Uh, he's, uh, this, this guy puts Xavier Johnson out there in games, know, and he's going to talk to us about what should be fouls? Please, I totally stop. get it. I totally get it. But he was talking about how, you know, you push him out, it's a foul, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, the only thing he said that, Way he thinks he can stop is maybe call the officials and say let's call some more fouls against uh, against Purdue. So we'll see, but uh, yeah, you know, let's call some more fouls, guys. Yeah. All right, let's just circle these his, guys up here, guys. Let's call some more fouls yesterday. today. But yeah, you know, it, it's it's going to be a fun game tomorrow night. I mean, uh, you know, fans are just so excited to see this team come back home after that impressive road swing of of uh, what beating Rutgers and beating Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, our, we got our Troy Lewis bobblehead tomorrow night. So there you go. Be, that'll be fun. And, uh, you know, a, a rocking crowd to uh, get the Boilermakers yet another leg up and continue that uh, that path to a number one, the overall number one seed, which is obviously the Purdue goal. And I think they are, probably are the number one seed in, in the tournament. Well, we talked, uh, at least on my show yesterday, talked to Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology. He says they agree. He says uh, everybody knows in Bracketology agrees that that's the number one. You know, we went through everything. From like you know the nets and Ken Palm and all that stuff, and I I rail on the net a lot because I think um, it's a stat that is very imperfect and just looking at it and an eyeball you'd say okay well Purdue's got plenty more quad one games and victories than Houston they've got more quad two games and victories than Houston and so you know you combine that you would think you should be in front of Houston but it has all these metrics and you know also walk through why the Big 12 seemingly has 10 teams in uh, right now, even though um, you're hoping that the committee uh, will punish them for trying to game the system. Because while you see all those good records in the Big 12 and they're getting all these quad one games, it's because the conference as a whole has essentially not scheduled anybody outside of conference. We're talking like three, like multiple teams, like a lot of these teams, 300 level uh, strength of schedule out of conference. Thus, when they get to the conference play, oh, they're all hanging around in quad one and high quad two. So they're not doing any damage to each other, and then they're also benefiting each other. And that's just that's a that's a scam. That's that's why I hate the net. Yeah. In the meantime, you know the Boilermakers put together just a fantastic non-conference schedule. You know, I think they put a schedule that gave them the those big quad one wins at the same time. It uh, 
challenged them and also prepared them for those those first two round of games that they're going to face uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. So, yeah, you know, the Boilermaker resume is so impressive. And, uh, you know, it's so hard to win college basketball and, and for them to have the success they're having now. Matt Painter's just done an incredible job. And, uh, you know, you know he, he has such an eye for talent. I mean, you know, we know how he picked up the 435th player in Zach Eady and turned him into two-time national player of the year. And then, then he plucks out a um, – a young man out of Southern Illinois who has basically been the missing piece that this Boilermakers needed in Lance Jones. and he He's is, been so good that oh, I feel like they're going to fire the guy who was coaching Southern Illinois before this. <laughs> with him like, and Dumas, Without winning and, with him and Dumas, not, not yeah. and not getting anywhere. Like Maybe that's grounds for getting fired. That's how good Matt Painter has and been. Jared, how about that play against Wisconsin where the game was getting tied. It was a couple minutes to go. He got the rebound and goes streaking down the court, and you're like, no, 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 and he takes it right to the hole because he knows that he could do it, and he gets that buck, and I think that put us up by nine at the time, and that, that pretty much put put uh, Wisconsin away, and he brings that to the table. He, you know, he's got a little bit of, of Carson Edwards in him, a um, little bit of Jaden Ivey. I'm not comparing him to those two players, but at the same time, he's got that killer instinct. He's got that I want to take the big shot, and that is exactly what Purdue needs, and boy, when you team him – with him and Braden and of course, you know, everybody having to deal with Zach and then Fletcher having a nice game, such a deadly basketball team. And we're so, so excited to have this Boilermaker team playing the way they are. Yeah. It's been fantastic to watch a lot of W's and you're expecting one tomorrow. No spread yet. You get that this evening, but I would expect that to be, what do you think? Uh, eight and a half to at least 10 and a half. I would have predict it's going to be 12 and a half. Ooh. It is at home. There is that. Uh, it is a rivalry game there, so we'll see what happens. But we'll find out later on this evening what uh, that spread will be. And, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, – if if that's in single digits somehow, i got to take it. It gets a double digits, I, I, I'm i pumping the brakes a little bit. But, uh, yeah, look, don't know if Xavier Johnson is going to play. Uh, Ware is play. back. You know, I think Zach Eady, uh broke Kel Ware last time they played because he didn't play for like three or four games. And I'm going to tell you, you and I, I would be shocked if you see where play, and I'm going to tell you why. His He's projected to be a first-round draft pick, but the knock on him is that he doesn't play well against big men. So why would he go out, you know, 80 75% and go up against Zach Eady, who he's going to get schooled again and really hurt his, his draft stock? I would be surprised if he if he sets on the – You think he'll actually he'll bench himself? I, I mean – Jared, what's he playing for? Is he playing for an NIT bid? I mean, there's not a whole lot for him to reason for him to be out on the floor against Zach Eady. You know, maybe next game, yeah, absolutely, he may come back. But you know, goes against the national player of the year. Just, just leave Malik all by himself exactly. down there, buddy. Have fun exactly. with that. Jeez, that would be something if it happens. Hey, don't go anywhere. Hang tight here. Uh, Alan Carpet, GoldenBlack.com. He's our guest next. Stick around. Plenty more for the basketball show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 The Hammer.com. Welcome back. It is the Boiler Basketball Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. With Jared Jessalas, Jeff Julik over there. To the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Our good buddy Alan Carpet from GoldenBlack.com is on with us. It's a tremendous site that you should definitely pick up a subscription to because so much great insider stuff that you want to know about. They do have some great free content, but I'm telling you, you want the insider stuff. Uh, Al, it's uh, great to have you on here. It's been Look, it's been quite a week here uh, in the Big Ten, on the court, off the court. Uh, you you did have one thing that got posted. Uh, I thought that was a great trip because you were such a a student of history when it comes to Purdue and uh, Purdue athletics. And um, I, I know it's technically not athletics, but it 
he still had they still had a very big impact on athletics. The the fact that Bruno's closed this week, and yeah. I, I know Orlando has been such a key figure uh, in Purdue athletics for quite some time. I mean, just a tremendous loss to the community, and I know you echoed that on the message boards uh, earlier this week. Well, you're right. I mean, you know, this this town has got institutions uh, that are uh, in a number of different places, but in the restaurant world, uh, they certainly do with Bruno's and with Arnie's and on down the line. And uh, it 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 was inevitable and a thing that was going to happen. But uh, the fact that the Eiton family wanted to kind of be quiet on the front end, but uh, it didn't end up being that way just because of the outpouring of support. And it's proof of the community, great community that we live in, and, and people support for others. And, and the Itons and the folks at Bruno's have done a, an amazing job supporting Purdue, Purdue sports and interest in Purdue sports. And that isn't going to come to an end, but uh, the physical restaurant on Brown Street will, and hopefully there'll be something else down the road. Uh, I don't know how we'll all live without getting Bruno's pizzas. So oh. that, uh, that part of it's going to be tough, but but hopefully it's going to, re, you know, I think that the Itons are being careful about trying to find the next spot and trying to find something that works for them because there is a lot of hue and cry about uh, them being uh, them being gone from the, from, uh, the uh, uh, landscape, at least for the short term. And, you know, when we talk about his impact, too, on, uh, on the sports, I mean, a lot of people forget or don't know uh, the, the Purdue wooden jersey that drew Brees, right? Yeah. Uh, we don't get that if it isn't for the hard work of uh, Orlando, right? Right. I mean, and, and, and the, the approach of that, that's important. You know, I was actually at the, at the University of Kansas last weekend for a basketball game, and they had a, uh, they have the Naismith rules there. Uh, and uh, somebody paid $3.8 million for that. If you, as a spoiler, if you want, watch the documentary. But my point is, it, it, Kansas does a great job of owning their history and their place with Naismith and Fog Allen and college basketball well purdue does this is doing the same there with that with get, making sure that john wooden jersey oh they didn't pay drew Brees didn't pay that much for it but it was enough that if that is a that is a landmark piece of history that people not only just purdue fans but uh, fans of college basketball will want to see and that's how you build tradition and legacy and purdue certainly has that and I can't tell you the number of recruits that I'm sure the Boilermakers have gotten because they uh, take, you know, when you take a, a young man and his family or a young lady and their family into that place, and it just shows you how much love and how much support there is in the community for the Boilermakers. And, you know, that place, I guarantee you, won the hearts and soul of, of several recruits over those, uh, what, since 1955, the years that they've been in business. And, uh, you know, just sad to see. But uh, You're just worried about what they're going to put in the West Lafayette football press box at halftime. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. That's all that you're is an issue. About. I thought about that. That's but all anyway, you're worried about. So, so, Alan, Boilermakers, great start in the Big Ten Conference. Off 10-2, great great uh, victory off over Wisconsin last week. But how impressive is a 10-2 start when you had to play seven tough road games to start out that uh, those first 12 games? Well, it's impressive because the teams you've beaten um, – and the fact that you overcame a, uh, a couple relatively early losses in kind of you know difficult fashion in terms of how well Northwestern and Nebraska played against Purdue. You know, it's not a great Big Ten this year. I think we all know that. I think it's uh, there may be three or four teams that are really, really at a level that are that are uh, certainly there's going to be more than that in the NCAA tournament. But I think three or four that are really capable of beating anybody. But 
but yeah, Purdue is to me is head and shoulders. I guess when you have a seven foot four guy, you are head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, that is uh, starting to bear out. And yes, Purdue needs to pay attention to detail when they play Indiana or go to Michigan or go to Ohio State, uh, like Wisconsin didn't uh, when it played at Michigan this week. Uh, to continue winning the way that they're winning. But uh, I don't see any reason why the Boilermakers won't. Alan, this has been quite a month for Lance Jones. I mean, you look at what he's done in January alone. He had 183 points over, I think it was like around uh, 9 or 10. I mean, just the the, the score. We talked about it before, but he's been a very consistent scorer all of a sudden for Purdue. Um, But... We go back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we knew he could do this, but he wasn't being asked to do that. Now, the current version of the Boilermakers, he has turned into that secondary score. Uh, is, I mean, is that going to continue all the way through the tournament? Do you feel like uh, teams will start to adjust to try to limit him, and then somebody like Fletcher Lawyer or Braden Smith's going to end up stepping up? How do you see that secondary score role evolving through the month of February and into March? Well, I think he's shown that uh, he's become not a complimentary player, but a primary player. I mean, he's played at an all Big Ten level. He's not, I don't think he's going to make first team all Big Ten, but, he, but uh, he's not far away from that. And uh, he's turned into much more than he anticipated in terms of scoring and being able to get to, uh, from an offensive standpoint. But he also just speeds the game up so much for Purdue. And you saw that. In a couple of instances in the game at Wisconsin, where uh, he takes the he takes the ball uh, at least 85 of the 94 feet and 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 makes plays. And, and we've talked about this too before. I, I have not seen a lot of sign of Purdue being uh, last year having a hangover based uh, based on what happened in the NCAA tournament. I think Purdue's done, done a great job as a team and as a coaching staff of taking it one game at a time, just focusing on what's in front of it and taking care of business. But I do also think Lance Jones has the added benefit of, of having no memory. He has no, he didn't play in those games last year. Uh, and uh, that game last year that we, that uh, nobody wants to talk about. And I get it. And I think that's a big advantage of keeping that team moving, but he's just played so well. He plays without fear. Uh, his shot selection as Matt Painter continues to point out is mostly good. And uh, that part, uh, that part is good. Yeah, but when he hit that the huge three at Red Madison last week, when the game got I think down to two, uh, that uh, again, those, those are called winning plays in basketball. When you do that, uh, you win games on the road in, in tough environments, and that's exactly what Lance Jones has brought to the table. So do my night, Alan. The uh, Hoosiers come to town fourteen and nine, coming off a probably one of their worst losses in, in recent history with. Uh, against Penn State last Saturday, followed by an 18-point uh, comeback victory over Ohio State, who's really, really bad. But, uh, you know, from an outsider's standpoint, what is wrong with this Indiana team? I mean, is it the fact that, you know, they've got some five-star players that maybe aren't playing as a team? I mean, is it lack of recruiting? I mean, from an outsider's standpoint, what do you think is wrong with this Indiana team? Is there an all of, is there all of the above? Yes, there is. Well, I, I, you know, I think, I think that um... – you know, certainly injuries. Xavier Johnson not being able to play. Is that a good thing uh, or bad the, thing? I'd well, argue that too. I, I think <laughs> good Xavier, Xavier Johnson. I guess it's Xavier. I always drives me nuts. I, you know, it's Xavier Xavier. Whatever exactly. it is, uh-huh. he is he is a guy that has made um, 
at least at times made things difficult for Purdue, uh, but also they just have lacked good guard play. And that has, uh, that has been a huge factor for them. Uh, and I, I, and I think this is not just Indiana, but you have, when you have some transfer portal guys and some, uh, situ- and some newcomers that you're expecting to be really good, there's just been that level of inconsistency. But I, I can't explain a pet loss to Penn State at home, uh, nor the fact they were down whatever they were, 18 to 20 against Ohio State and came back and won. I can't explain Ohio State either. Uh, uh, and, and I think you have to, you know, Ohio State has talent, and uh, there's talent there that uh, could present some trouble if they ever put it together, kind of like the Buckeyes did at the end of the year last year, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. I don't know with Indiana. I think you have to be cautious. You know, have to put at least a, I think it's probably a good thing for Purdue that Indiana came back and won that, uh, won that game uh, the way it did in Columbus, just because I don't think Purdue overlooks a rival, but you still have that tendency to, to, to say, well, wait, uh, there's no way we're going to lose to these guys. Now, again, I think Purdue this year has, has done a great job of living in the moment, just playing basketball. Uh, they have so many safeguards. If somebody isn't playing well, the Matt Painter will find somebody else that will. Uh, that that presents a lot. It gives Purdue a lot of comfort moving forward. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about Indiana because I don't watch them every week. You know, I, I do know that guys like Trey Galloway are dangerous. I know that Malik Renew Renew has been at times has been good. They're capable uh, if you're if you don't pay attention, but. I also think that uh, Mackey Arena. I mean, I, I you know last year's game is probably the the one you think about. The fact that that uh, Purdue has had a chance to, to on the February, 25th of February to clinch a share, or I think the share of the Big Ten title. Indiana doesn't have a Jalen Hood Shafino this year. Well, I think that's clear. But uh, you still have to be careful when you're playing your rival, and uh, it is hard to explain where they are, where, where the Hoosiers are. But Purdue is, as we all know needs to focus on where Purdue is and play another good basketball game uh, when, the, when it gets the chance on Saturday night. In a Saturday night primetime game in Mackey Arena, uh, I just can't imagine any scenario where Purdue's going to have any level of letdown. Alan, before we let you go, uh, Ian Eagle with the call uh, in that Wisconsin game on the E.D. Dunk, calling him the Torontosaurus. Uh, where do you stand on that as a uh, nickname? Is that good? Is that bad? <laughs> what do you think on Torontosaurus? Oh, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's I, I suppose that's as good as any. But you know, he, it's been an unbelievable ride, and and I think we keep saying that about you know you basically have one month left uh, of Zach Eady in Mackey Arena. I mean, you got a game February the tenth. You'll have Senior Day on March the tenth, uh, and of course February is a short month as we all know, one day longer this year. But my point is, this is the most special player maybe ever to play at Purdue. Uh, if he wins back-to-back National Player of the Year, he is the most uh, special player to play at Purdue in Purdue history, uh, certainly in the modern era. And I, I think that the, you best just enjoy it. He, and, 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 and basketball fans, you know, that's where the narrative about Zach Eady is just lunacy in terms of, oh, he's just tall or he gets too many, he gets the breaks, the breaks of the officials. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, it's just the opposite in a lot of ways. And, and as I said, it's always the litmus test to, to whether people understand basketball, not just, and I'm not trying to have my Purdue blinders on. I'm just talking about the reality of what he is as a player. This guy is uh, skilled. He's worked extremely hard on his game 
it doesn't matter if he's an NBA superstar. He's going to get a chance in the NBA without a doubt, maybe get into the first round. Uh, sounds like that may be the case. But he is taken for what he is. He's really the best college player to play uh, this game probably in the last 40 years. Uh, you could certainly build a case for that. And uh, certainly what he's done is just hard to minimize. And if you're a Purdue fan and if you're a college basketball fan, uh, you should appreciate that. Alan Carpet, goldenblack.com, the website. Stay up to date with that. Uh, Tom's got a, got a tough job coming up here with the Combine and, and uh, Pro Days and stuff, getting that stuff covered uh, and a brand-new transfer wide receiver in. Uh, so you want to read about that. Brian Newbert's doing a great job keeping you posted on upcoming recruiting classes for basketball and everything else going on with basketball. You don't want to miss that. Hey, Alan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Boiler up. All right, we'll look forward to more discussion down the road. A lot of fun times ahead for Purdue, and uh, and I think it's uh, going to be a magical night tomorrow night in, in Mac Arena. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalatis along with Jeff Julep. Big thank you to Alan Karpik for just being on there with us here. Um, Jeff, I do want to get, because this is the big game on Saturday night, Purdue and Indiana. And I, I do want to talk a little bit about the state of this rivalry uh, this year and what's wrong with Indiana. You know, uh, Jake Query on uh, his show, I know, got a lot of run this week with uh, Greg Rakestraw about um, Indiana fans who are upset with this team. Um, go get yourself a gold, you know, shirt because that Bob Knight team that you know and love and crave filled with Indiana kids who are all bought into their roles and not selfish, that's Purdue now. Um, I, I thought he made an excellent point. But, you know, we sat here and, you know, Alan tried to talk about what's wrong with Indiana. You know, you asked him that question, what's wrong with Indiana right now? And I think it's a myriad of things. But Jake is right about one thing is those guys that are bought into the program don't seem to exist here. But I think it's deeper than that. I I don't know, even if you had guys with a level of buy-in, I don't know what you're buying into in that program right now. Like, what is the culture? Where are the leaders on this team? Because if Xavier Johnson is supposed to be the leader on that team, that's, that circle that. That's your problem right there. Well, absolutely great point. And, and don't forget, I mean, Xavier Johnson quit at Pitt halfway through his how could I forget that? Yes. Yeah, How could I forget sophomore that? Sophomore year. Uh, you know, the, the issue is is that, you know, IU took a chance by taking a, a legend and, and, and Mike Woodson, who had no college basketball coaching experience, NBA guy, and you brought him into the, to the collegiate rank and said, build a program. And you see him look for talent, okay, and because that's what you have in the NBA. You're, you know, your you're 12-man roster is all talented. Um and they go out and they, and they get the five stars, at least on paper, and you put them together. And but what are these five star players playing for? I mean, are they playing? They're playing for their draft stock. Exactly, is, is what, what you're telling me. There, that's what they're playing for. And when you go back and look at those great Bob Knight team, he had talent, but he didn't have five stars. He had a bunch of Indiana kids and a bunch of Midwestern kids who understood the glory of IU, and they were playing for one reason, and that was to win a championship, and that's exactly what you're seeing at Purdue this year. I mean, Purdue is playing for one reason, and when you have players who are former starters, like Morton and First and those kind of players and Gillis, and they're coming off the bench, they're not complaining because they know they're winning and they're headed for that one goal. And IU has not built – Woodson has not built a foundation. 
you need to have a foundation of recruits coming in. And right now, he's got one commitment. There's, there's no development exactly. of guys. Yes. Like this, start, this has been going on for a while, and this predates him. I mean, go back to Romeo Langford was another guy where, you know, really seemed to seem like that it was more about what his future was, and it was not about Indiana or Indiana basketball. Um, and when you start to get those kind of guys that are more than me, and the NIL feeds it, the yep. transfer portal supports it. It is hard to get those guys. This is why I always say on my show is uh, why so many people, I think, in the national media don't like Purdue is that Matt Painter has built the antithesis of what has been set up for NCAA basketball, where you can build through the portal, you can give these kids the money, and you can go ahead and put them all together, and boom. He has taken an opposite approach. It's He's taking guys that maybe aren't very highly recruited, he is taking guys that uh, others have overlooked, and he has developed them over the years. Now, that's paying off where even a, a higher quality caliber of guy is coming in, but he's not going to take just anybody. Look at what he does in the transfer uh, portal here, right? He wants somebody with talent, but it's got to make sense, and it has to fit, because if it doesn't, it's going to build. And he remember, you, you go back uh, a good decade or so, and he saw exactly what happens when you bring in the wrong kind of guys and that and erodes the culture and Johnson how long Brothers. that road is yeah. to get back to where you need to be. Yeah, and, and keep this in mind. Lance Jones did not ask for $1, okay? He committed to Purdue without a, any NIL. Now, of course, he's getting NIL now. But, Which is well, the way they're know, supposed to be doing it anyway. Exactly, but that's not how it plays out, and you know that. And meantime, IU is setting with the top five in the country in NLI dollars available, and they're paying their players big-time money, and they don't play together as a team. Now, there's a ton of talent on that team. I, I, I firmly oh, believe I, that. I, look, Renew is fantastic. Yes. Trey Galloway yes. is, a, is a tremendous piece there. Yes. Uh, I'm not big on where. Well, we talked about that. I think uh, Indiana player, Indiana fans of the state of Indiana in general probably appreciate Gabe Cups. Right, so and I, Leo. I mean, Leo's been stepping up. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's and, and there's another uh, guy right there. But as a whole, I, I ask you, what is Indiana's brand of basketball right now? You know, for as much as they ran out clappy hands there, um, he, and, he did his and, job. One of and you know kicked him out, and uh, everybody before that to bring in you know Mike Woodson. I ask, can you point to what Mike Woodson is building? Like what? what the goal here is to do. Because Trace Jackson Davis stuck up, uh, t- uh, stood up for him, I saw earlier this week, when people were talking about running Mike Woodson out of town. He says, you can't build something in two, three years. you got to give, you know, you need some consistency and time to do that. But I, I would look in um, Indiana. I got the money flowing through here. I would say, where do you see the bright spots here towards the, the future, right? Now, maybe if Sisley commits, you can say, okay, well, maybe there's a little something there that we can – that we can build on. But at the same time, I, I just I don't see I see some players, I see some talent. I don't see any leaders on that team. And the one guy that's supposed to be the leader is the one that gets in the most trouble off the court, who yep. is getting in the most trouble on the court at times as well. And the guy who I would almost argue the team looks better when he's not out there playing at at, at a lot of times. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and and one of the issues you run into is that you just can't take a group of players and throw them together and hope that it, it meshes. And that's what they're running into right now. And, you know, 
I mean, Woodson has lost eight, eight or nine games by double digits, you know, and big time blowouts. And, and several of those have been at home. And that's just unheard of for them. And they're in a tough situation there because he's a legend there. I mean, he was an incredible basketball player. And if, you know, obviously he'll be back next year, but he, if he has a, let's say they have a, a 500 season next year and, or even less and don't even make the Big Ten tournament. I mean, because, you know, next year only 15 teams make it. I mean, the future of IU basketball does not look good right now. And like I said, they have one recruit coming in, and that's it. And, you know, in the meantime, Purdue's got five recruits coming in, rated top 10 in the country. I mean, you know, it's tough because now he's starting to lose the in-state battles, and he's also not being able to mesh this team. And, and you know, tomorrow night, I think they'll play a decent game. I just think that when, it, when you look at talent versus non-talent, I just think this Purdue basketball team rolls tomorrow night because they, they know how to play as a team, and that's so important when it comes to the game of basketball. I would also argue something. And Jeff and I, at least for me, I'll, I'll speak for me. I, You look – I'm not trying to throw these guys under the bus by any means. I'm, I'm not – this is not me just dumping, ha-ha, look at how bad your program is conversation. I, I think – as a pure basketball fan, I understand how important Indiana basketball is to the state of of Indiana. I understand how important it is to this to this rivalry. And for far too long, you felt like that this team has coasted on the achievements of previous previous yeah. iterations, right? Right. Like Nebraska football. I fear for them because now you you had generations here that came up into the you know through the that, that were born in the 80s that yep. competed through the 90s and the early 2000s when you were winning 20 games and there was you, you know the the illustrious IU like that that was the brand right that it was it was hard to resist but now you start to take a look at these kids who were born in the early 2000s Right. And outside of the good Kelvin Sampson run here, you're looking through the Tom Crean runs and saying, okay, one or two in there, right? Where you had a couple 21. But now you're looking through the Archie Miller runs and you say, all of a sudden, all these NCAA tournament appearances are starting to dry up. The next generation coming up and watching this, you're already, you're losing that battle now in places like Indianapolis. That's why Matt Painter's been able to go down there and get some of these guys that normally probably would have been IU guys because it's the majesty of IU and their, you know, the banners and the past and, da, 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 and, and all that hoopla. And now you're getting a generation of kids growing up watching what they've watched over the last, you know, 10 years. How many. Kids are growing up in the backyard going three, two, one. Here's, you know, here's Khalil Ware for the shot to win it. Like, they're not doing that. That's the that's what you're really running into the danger. And the, the biggest tool you had in your arsenal was the prestige of it. And it's continuing to get watered down because you haven't figured out that you still need to recruit and develop in this era of NIL, you cannot buy your way into this thing anymore. You just can't. 
Well, you know, Jed, that's such a great point because I have friends in southern Indiana who, you know, will tell me that they used to see nothing but red and white sweatshirts, and now they're seeing black and gold sweatshirts, and they're seeing kids wearing black and gold sweatshirts. And they may be practicing that 3-2-1, but it's, it's a Fletcher Lawyer hitting a, a jumper to beat Ohio State last year, or it's Jaden Ivey draining the three to beat a uh, high state again, you know, but I mean, you know, the, the tide is certainly turned in the state of Indiana and that is a problem because Matt Painter has, when you go back and look at this, I mean, this Purdue team is just so good. And, and I think Purdue fans, and I think we all have a tendency to overthink this because, you know, what Dennis Green said, you know, your record is what you say it is. And that's in this, you know, they're 14 and nine. They're not a good team. And, you know, they didn't. They have one quad win, which won't last long. That quad win was uh, over Ohio State the other night, who, who was I think what 68th at the time, and that'll they'll drop out of that, and so that'll turn into a two or three win. But you know, they have not beat anybody. Um, they had such a soft schedule, and you know, it's one of those things where this program is not on on great uh, foundation right now, and. Uh, if they want things to improve, they've got to get better. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, please tell me how we got a kid like Trey Kaufman ran out of Sellersburg and got him to come all the way up here to, to Lafayette, despite all the bank signs that pleaded, please come to Bloomington. You know, I 10 years ago, I don't know that you get that kid. You don't. No. All right. And again, and if we I'm, get I'm, not doing it, mean, I'm not doing yeah. it to dump on the program. I'm just saying this is this is the reality. When I look at it, this is what the reality looks like right now. Is I, I don't see any semblance of a culture there. I don't see any semblance of real leaders over there, and that is a reflection of your head coach, Mike. What's a very nice guy, but if you think you're just going to find NBA guys that are going to be there for a year or two, why would they buy into IU at that point? Why would they care? They're getting a paycheck, and then they're thinking about the next step. They're barely taking the classes seriously because they know they're going to the NBA draft. That is a hard way to build a consistent winner because then every year your entire well-being is on an eighteen, a couple of 18-year-old kids and meshing them and getting them into the Big Ten. That's a, that's a tough row. That is a real tough row. Absolutely. And one point we didn't even mention, how, I think one of the problems that I use is our assistant coaching staff. I mean, when you they're not a great staff. Remember, they used to have those. Uh, it was like a home run hitters of who's who. I mean, when you lost Thad uh, Mata at, and at you the lost, Denny's early bird and you special, lost Fife. I mean, that yeah. was a huge loss to them. And you know, the other night it was so. They re- have Larry Brown on staff too for a minute. Oh, do we do that? Yeah, I mean, how did that work out? Yeah, but I mean, it was so refreshing the other night. At the end of that Purdue Northwestern game, you had the offensive coordinator for the Boilermakers. You know, PJ Thompson designing a play. Or I think it was opposite. We had Lust, our defensive coordinator. Uh, designing the play and on the other side Collins had his offensive coordinator designing a play. When you look at Indiana, they don't have that. I mean, it's it's Woodson and his staff, you know, does what they're told to do and uh, you know, and, and and I've been told that his staff does most of the recruiting and he just comes in at the very end. Meantime, you know, you got Matt Painter making multiple trips down southern Indiana to see a player and I mean, uh, you know, it's just different right now and uh, we'll see if Indiana can get this thing turned around and uh Maybe that'll happen someday, but uh, I don't think it'll start tomorrow night. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll take a look at the Big Ten as a whole, see what's on tap for this week next on the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Welcome back. It is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared. That is Jeff over there. I feel like we probably riled up some IU fans, and we didn't really intend to rile up IU fans. Like, that wasn't the intention of doing it. Yeah. Look, hey, 
again, if I'm wrong, tell, tell me I'm wrong and tell me why I'm wrong. I'm more than willing to have the conversation. It's your team. It's not my team. I'm just telling you from an outside perspective what I feel like I'm seeing there. Now, if I'm completely wrong, please inform me. But I've talked to a few people that tend to be, uh, you know, engaged in this. And it doesn't sound like I've been terribly wrong. But just know that I wasn't trying to throw any kind of salt at any point there, which is, I know, odd for me, Jeff. <laughs> Very but, odd. But, you know. That wasn't, that's not the intent. Hey, let's take a look at the Big Ten this week and uh, what we've got on tap in terms of uh, matchups here. Look at the Big Ten overall. No games tonight, but uh, this is the Big Ten standings with Purdue on top at 10 and 2. Uh, they are a game and a half over the Illini, who are at 8 and 3, followed by Wisconsin at 8 and 4, two games back. Northwestern still kind of there and playing for that fourth seed and that double bye at 7. And five, they regained that. They're three games back. Regained that uh, first round, uh, or that double bye, I should say, over Minnesota. How about the Golden Gophers charging? They're three and a half back at six and five. So they could regain that with their next win there. They've got a game in hand over Northwestern. Michigan State, Indiana, Penn State, all at six and six. Nebraska at six and seven. Keeps them four and a half out. Maryland, Iowa at five and seven in conference place at five out. Rutgers, who looks a bit better with uh, Jameer Williams back in the lineup there. Um, he's at, they're at four and seven. Ohio State and Michigan at three and nine dwell in the basement there, Jeff. And like I said, you know, two of the uh, Boilermakers' uh, three road games are at uh, Michigan and Ohio State, so that bodes well for the Boilermakers. All right, no games tonight, but Saturday is fantastic. You are going to get Wisconsin at Rutgers. I'll tell you again, Williams back. They look like a bit better team on offense. Uh, you wonder if they can't reignite that flame of Rutgers basketball on a Saturday at home against a uh, 11th-ranked Wisconsin team. That's interesting at noon on BTN. Yeah, not a place to go if you uh trying to get well, and that's exactly what the uh, Badgers are doing coming off that three-game uh, losing streak. That's right. Then you've got 10th-ranked Illinois at Michigan State, 2 o'clock on CBS. Uh, this could end up being a really, really good day for Purdue if things break right. Absolutely. So that, uh, you know... I don't think Michigan State's playing all that well, but uh, certainly at home, uh, they've got to be a favorite over Illinois. Then you can get a break-in, laundry, make a store run, whatever. Maryland is at Ohio State at 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. At 6.30, BTN, Michigan is at Nebraska. And then it all wraps up on Fox 8 p.m., the big one, Purdue, hosting the Hoosiers. Absolutely. We bumped uh, Caitlin Clark off of that uh, primetime uh, game. and uh, Sorry, Kate. Yeah, sorry. I hate to see it. And can't wait till you remember the Indiana Fever. Sunday, there are two games to warm me up before the Super Bowl. Penn State at Northwestern. Uh, I don't even know what the under is, but just take it. Just just take it. Just take the under. There you go. And, uh, well, Shrine. Minnesota heads to Iowa. And uh, this is a real trust test for me for Minnesota, right? Because Iowa can go cold in their own barn. We've seen it happen. But can Minnesota capitalize on that in Carver-Hawkeye? Yep, and the uh, Gophers head to uh, Mackey Arena Thursday night. Yeah, uh, then we get to uh, Monday, and uh, there are no games. Super Bowl hangover, can't deal with it. Tuesday, Michigan heads to Illinois, while Ohio State heads to Wisconsin. Again, another day where Purdue fans will tune in to Peacock and uh, see if they can get a little help. That gets us to Wednesday. Michigan State's at Penn State. Iowa is at Maryland. And then Thursday, we wrap it all back up again with Northwestern and Rutgers and our beloved Boilermakers hosting Minnesota at 8.30 on BTN. Way to go. We get the late game there. Yeah, and I tell you what, I'm interested to see that Gopher team because they've made a lot of progress. Uh, 
Garcia, good player, but uh, you know, hopefully the Boilermakers. And I like the schedule with the Boilermakers. They had a week off, uh, well deserved, because they had played more games than anybody in January. They get like five games off uh, for yeah. this one here too. And then they get like five days off before they have to play the Gophers. So that does schedule. it for us on the Boiler Basketball Show. Big thank you to Alan Carpick for being on. Enjoy tomorrow night's game. We'll see you back here next Friday on one hundred one seven The Hammer.